Welcome to Freshly Sliced. I'm your host, Jocelyn Getson, head of cyber for Slice Labs. I'm very excited to dive into today, today's cyber-related topic, a small business, but a big target. We have found that this is a really important subject because there is a common misconception in the small, medium-sized business space, the SMB space, that there is such a thing as being too small to be a target for a hacker. And that's really something that we need to correct. Um, and so today we plan to discuss the common online and offline threats that are facing SMBs, share some recent stats and key findings on the topic, along with providing high-level recommendations for improving cyber risk and management. So to tackle this topic, we have a great panel of guests today that I'm excited to introduce. Uh, we have Daniel Elliott. Daniel is the Director of Education and Strategic Initiatives at the National Cybersecurity Alliance, one of the country's leading nonprofits devoted to cybersecurity, education, and awareness. There, Daniel runs the Cybersecure My Business program, which is a comprehensive national program designed to help businesses of all sizes learn to be safer and more secure online. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we also have Chris Hallam. Chris is a senior product management manager for Microsoft. And Chris has worked in a number of security-related product management and engineering roles within Microsoft. Uh, and with over 20 years of service at Microsoft, Chris is now focusing on defining the roadmap for a, service of, for a series of cyber-related risk management technologies. Happy to have you on, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. And John Coletti, no stranger to the podcast, uh, is AxXL's Chief Underwriting Officer for Cyber Insurance uh, and a great partner of Slices. John's responsible for all cyber business written in North America and has been involved in cyber insurance since the product's beginnings. Uh, John's a regular writer and speaker on this topic and a, and a frequent guest on our show, which we always appreciate. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in. Um, really excited to get a chance to talk to you guys. I think it's a really nice cross-section of uh, different backgrounds and different, uh, you know, perspectives on the cyberspace. And, you know, as I referenced in, in the introduction, there is this misconception uh, that businesses start to think, I'm too small. What do I have that's so important that I would even be a target for a hacker? So not only are we overcoming, you know, this, this, this misconception, but we're also trying to educate them on, you know, how they can better prepare themselves. And so, Daniel, it would be great if you could share your thoughts on this topic. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's no secret that small business is a resource constraint, right? You know, talent-wise, capital-wise, et cetera. And they're focused on making payroll, right? The owners and operators are oftentimes working in the business making the pies versus on the business mm. making a strategy. And so they don't have a lot of time in their day to focus on risk management. Um, I do think SMBs are starting to understand that they're vulnerable to cyber attacks, but they don't really understand what that means. There's also this misconception that cyber criminals would much rather go for a larger company than target a smaller company. But we have to recognize that everyone has sensitive assets that are worth something to a cyber criminal. So we have to help those small businesses understand that. And even more so that the small business community is frequently targeted because they can be used as a portal into a much larger, more lucrative target. Right. And quickly, I just want to touch on one other misconception um, because because the small businesses are so resource constrained, many of them outsource their information technology needs to other small businesses, many times managed services providers. And there's this misconception that because an MSP is handling my network or my website management or whatever it is that they're handling, that they're also, quote unquote, taking care of my cybersecurity. So there's a false sense of security there. 
And many MSPs are not qualified mm -hmm. or equipped to manage the cybersecurity right. of an organization. So we have to evaluate our current or potential business partners critically. Know what is covered. Know what is not when we think of managing our risk portfolio as we start to scale um, or just start a business. So, um, yeah, a lot of misconceptions that they're yeah, no, and I think that's some great points. I mean, especially, you know, when you're wearing so many hats as a small business, you know, you certain just basic activities, like whether that's changing passwords or things like that, it can go to the wayside a bit. And so, um, yeah, and I do think that they rely on these other partners um, to, to remind them of that in some cases. And, you know, I think those are just some great points. And uh, a lot of the stats that I've actually seen as well indicate that, you know, in terms of even the cyber insurance component, that it hasn't been viewed as being as important as uh, traditional forms of, you know, commercial insurance, like maybe property or general liability. And, you know, John, I, I was wondering, like, why you think that might be the case? Um, yeah, th thanks, uh, Jocelyn. So I think it's, it's important to make a distinction between uh, cyber insurance and, and the, uh, the importance of how that is viewed as by the buyer by looking at the size of the customer. I think when you're looking at the larger clients and the, um, you know, the, the large risk management size clients that have lots of money and lots of resources and have, um, you know, lots of ability to understand their risk, I think they've always viewed cyber as being an important form of commercial insurance, right? And I think that sort of follows the trend of the types of large breaches that have occurred over time, right? Starting with the retail sector, moving into healthcare, financial institutions, right? But as we move downstream, and you know, the, the focus of uh, this discussion is really on SMBs. And I think for SMBs, it's really three main aspects or three main topics that um, I would focus on, on why they haven't really penetrated uh, and viewed that as important as some traditional lines. It has to do with, and I think Daniel touched upon a little bit about awareness. Um, secondly, it has to do with education. And thirdly, really the one that I want to focus on is just some misconceptions about what is cyber insurance? What what does cyber insurance cover? Um, and not only the the insurance part of it, but actually the, the services that are available to policyholders should they have a breach event. Um, awareness really, you know, just understanding that the product is even available, um, speaking to their, their insurance agent or, or their insurance broker, that this is even an option for them. It's something that they could buy. Education having to do with, hey, the product's available, right? The product's available to you and this is what it covers um, is just something that both on the supply side, uh, there, there's been a pretty large gap. Um, and there's been a lot of misconceptions and some really some articles that have been published recently about cyber insurance, whereas some events have occurred. And there's been some false articles written and said that, well, you know, this claim was not covered by their cyber insurer. Uh, and those articles really just have to really just were false. Um, things having to do with with um, acts of war and, and some some litigation that's pretty rampant. Um, um, not rampant, but that's pretty prominent right now. Um, so I think th those are really the three things. And, and you know, cyber insurance, a very dynamic field, um, changing very quickly. Not a lot of uniformity right. from policy to policy is, is really kind of, you know, when we speak about education, just knowing, you know, what product to buy, what limit to buy, who do I buy it from? What does the policy cover? These are all things that that I think are changing over time. But the education, some of these misconceptions and more awareness will really drive more more purchasing. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. And I, and, and you're right. I mean, it's a constantly changing environment. And so insurers are having to respond and small businesses as well, you know, as to, to what they need to be putting in place and, and even to make sure that they have the right coverage uh, if they do have a policy in place. So, um, and, you know, at Microsoft, I know recently engaged Forrester on a research report regarding, you know, cyber risks and exposures. And Chris, it'd be great if you could <clears throat> share some of the results uh, from that report and just, you know, things that maybe stood out to you, anything specific that you think think SMBs or even insurers really need to hear. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, the, this report's pretty interesting. It actually comes out in spring, but uh, Forrester was nice enough to allow us to kind of start talking about it kind of generally um, before it comes out uh, in a few months. But there were really kind of four things that stood out to me. Uh, the first thing is, is very similar to what Daniel was talking about, which is SMBs, um, even the smallest ones, are being are being attacked. They have interesting things to go after. And so that would include like your local food truck that's running basic credit card services. Yeah, an attacker could deploy software to skim those cards uh, or, or take uh, user data, uh, these types of things. Or they could maybe even um, encrypt the, the, the uh, food truck system so they can't actually operate some of their systems. Uh, there. So at any rate, uh, so that was kind of interesting. It's just, it's just, it's everybody is being attacked. It's not just the larger side of SMB. It's even the smallest ones. Um, of the SMBs that they polled, over 50% of them um, admitted that they had been breached in the last year, which is a pretty high number. But the data we have here at Microsoft su suggests that it's even worse than that um, because we know that a lot of customers, a very high percentage of them don't even know that they've been breached and that the attack is happening right now or it happened a year ago. In fact, um, I just talked to uh, one of our field folks and uh, they had just come back from a customer's uh, environment and that environment had been breached four years ago. And it took them four years to find out and they brought in an incident response team and uh, uh, they actually learned that this environment was being used as a training ground for this group of hackers. So they'd bring in some of their, their young apprentice-like people and they would learn the tools of the trade in this customer's environment. It was, wow. it was a really shocking story to hear. So, so that's one thing is, is SMBs of all size are being attacked. Uh, the, the next thing is that SMBs are failing to maintain even basic levels of cyber hygiene, which means they're not using their defenses correctly. And so they've generally bought the solutions and they have them in place, but they're not configured correctly. The services may not be running. Um, maybe they're not up to date and they don't even have the visibility to know the state of their environment. So they kind of turn these things on and they kind of hope for the best and they don't know when they're not actually producing the value they expect. So that's a huge problem that, that uh, spans all the way from SMB even to, to large enterprises. They struggle with this hygiene thing, as we call it. Uh, the third thing I thought was interesting is everybody deploys these solutions and they kind of just assume that they're good to go, right? The anti-malware features running and some other things, but these uh, capabilities, these solutions include vast swaths of functionality. A lot of it uh, that is not turned on by default and actually takes some time and some care to properly configure these controls for a given environment. And so oftentimes these controls, which are super, super powerful, are just ignored. And so SMBs are very hungry for the solutions they're buying to bring greater visibility to this functionality and to give them the guidance um, and the prioritization so that they can approach taking on these optional controls uh, and start taking greater advantage uh, of these, these solutions. And uh, the industry so far has kind of failed, failed on that. Uh, we here at Microsoft have something called Secure Score, which is starting to uh, help our customers get that visibility. But I think we're just at the beginning of the journey with that particular tool. Um, the last thing that's worth mentioning is uh, customers are, are, who are interested in cyber insurance 
um, are looking for more than just a payout. So um, they're really looking for more than a check. They need the help and they're looking for something that's more along the lines of a white glove service that will help them take their environment from breach to a pre-breach state. So that means they want the insurer to um, bring in the resources, the incident response team or the PR services or whatever it takes to get them back to a healthy state. So those are the four things that uh, really stood out to me in the, that upcoming report. No, that's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to seeing that report. And I mean, it's evident that even with low hanging fruit, just these easy tools, as you suggested, you know, the fact that they're not utilizing them, a lot of them even being free is, is, is a, is kind of staggering, you know, it's, it's right there. And I think it, it does tie back to that education, um, component and, you know, Daniel, I'm wondering like what, what tips kind of, you know, layering on to what Chris just suggested, but what tips, uh, do you have for SMBs or maybe resources, uh, that, that are available on stay safe online that, that you would recommend that to, they could use to reduce their risk? Yeah. Well, you know, small businesses start seeing dollar signs every time we start talking about cybersecurity. But not all of the steps that they should be re that they should be taking require significant capital investments, right? So, for instance, updating their software, maintaining current software um, versions—that's something that doesn't have to cost anything <laughs> to um, improve the security of your organization. Enabling two-factor authentication or training employees on email security before giving them access to their email. Uh, we also also talk a lot about, you know, enforcing strong passphrases and restricting access to accounts. Again, most of these, if not all, are free to enforce and go leaps and bounds in protecting or protecting an organization, reducing risk. Um, and they also think about how they work remotely, right? Small businesses are frequently working from home, the airport, a co-working space, a cafe, and they need to think about the device and data security when they're connecting in all of these spaces. Are they using updated software, a secure Wi-Fi? Uh, does their home router have a unique strong passphrase and not the manufacturer's passphrase? Uh, when they're traveling, yeah. are they keeping their devices securely with them at all times? And so a lot of the content that we um, put on the Stay Safe Online website um, talks about these tips and what they can do to actually go from awareness into action in making reasonable steps or effort to protect their information. And I think one piece that I try to emphasize every time I have a platform is they need to start doing an assessment of what sensitive assets they have, right? Because you can't protect what you don't know you have. And so making sure they understand uh, the most sensitive pieces of data or information that they're storing so that they can then take the right measures to protect those assets. No, I think yeah, that is a great point. And, and the reality is, is that even when they do take on all those steps uh, and, and are doing, you know, practicing their best cyber hygiene, uh, you know, there, it's, there's really no silver bullet. Right. And and I do think that's where you know the the insurance piece layers in nicely. Um, and and John, it'd be great to understand you. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about you know the earlier you mentioned uh, how the cyber insurance you know has had this evolution. And do you see the ability for people to sign up now just easily, like in a more easy uh, access environment, like the the Slice AXA journey uh, that takes about five minutes to sign up versus lots of forms, lots of questions, lots of time. Uh, do you think? Think that that transition is going to help this space in this industry yeah i mean that that that's an easy one right so i think obviously if, if you make this this process easier for a for a buyer 
right? You make the, the journey easier for a buyer, they're more apt to, to purchase the coverage. Um, you know, I, I, I touched upon it a little bit earlier in, in one of my, in the, the first question around that there is a, there's, there's a lack of education and there, there's a lack of understanding on what these policies cover. Um, and, you know, we do a lot online uh, in our customer interactions to educate the customer about what does the policy cover? What are the advantages of the policy? What, what are the coverages themselves that you have access to forensic experts and a, and a panel of PR experts, and you have access to things like um, credit monitoring and, and to have your, your uh, identity um, uh, restored should you have a, uh, an event. So there's a lot of aspects to the cyber insurance policy um, that you can um, access uh, pr pretty, pretty easily. Um, yeah. You know, j just to, 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 to add to, uh, sorry, Jocelyn, just to add to your question, um, you know, the, the, the modernization of the, uh, of the cyber insurance of delivery and the operation and, and making things easier, th there, there's a lot of technology that has become available over the years and taking advantage of that technology and making the, the journey for the customer easier, right? We're not making the underwriting any more diluted, right? We're actually just modernizing the digital delivery of the underwriting. So making that underwriting decision and doing the things like asking the questions and the back and forth with the, uh, with the broker and the customer, we've just digitized that whole experience, right? And it's a really, it's, it's, it's a special feature and it's something that we really think will resonate with, uh, with the small business buyer. Yeah, especially for this type of product, being a cyber product, yeah, the digital engagement it, it does seem to to align, you know, really well. And and Chris, I'm wondering if um, like how do you see like insurers or technology companies, any you know other digital service providers, uh, kind of support a collective effort to help SMBs be less exposed to risk? Yeah, there there are a number of really interesting opportunities. I can talk quite a bit about this, but I'll try to boil it down to two things. Um, the first thing is there's a an opportunity for insurers and companies in technology like Microsoft and others to work together to better understand the actual risk. And I kind of want to underline actual risk that our customers face. I think in, in general, we kind of get these aggregate views of, of different types of groups of customers, maybe based on industry. And we try to make decisions on what their risks are based on averages. But um, I think we have an opportunity to get very, very precise and very tailored about the risk of individual customers. And so, for instance, uh, the insurance companies have this huge data set of very interesting information related to claims data. Uh, so there's the claim itself, there's the cost of resolving the claim. Um, uh, oftentimes, you know, innovative insurers like AXA, XL, and Slice, they have uh, instant response capabilities. And so there may be really interesting information about the attack that they resolved and the root cause and the controls the customer had in place. So all of this information collectively can be super insightful. And, and if it were to be shared with a technology company like us, we could help analyze that data and better um, understand the effectiveness of our controls that we do have for our customers. And then we can make investments to improve those controls and make them better. So uh, I think the information insurers can help us make better products uh, for sure. Um, after we analyze that data though, that, that information could be useful for the insurers as well. Um, we can provide that data to them and they can actually better assess the risk that individual customers 
um, pose to their uh, to the insurer uh, based on the controls they have in place and the processes and these types of things. And so with that, there's this possibility to provide highly tailored policies uh, that maybe reduce the cost of the policy or maybe includes a different level of services for a given customer based on the risk. So so that's one thing that I think is super exciting. And, and uh, I think we're kind of just at the beginning of exploring the possibilities there. Uh, the, the second thing I think is in, interesting uh, connects insurers, technology and service providers. And so today our customers, uh, they buy technology and some of them buy in the SMB space, some buy in insurance. Uh, but there's really an opportunity for these managed service providers um, to basically complete the value chain that they're trying to offer their customers, which is we're going to take care of your security. Uh, they should be extending that to also uh, cover the event where an incident happens. And that's oftentimes where the MSPs, the managed service providers kind of um, stop helping their customer. And so I think by having them maybe bring insurance into their portfolio and making that part of their offering customers would uh, complete that value chain, as I called it. And um, and that would be an interesting thing that we should work together on. I think we're just starting to talk about that, in fact. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's on the near horizon. I mean, that that feedback loop is, is you know, getting created as we speak. And, and yeah, I think there's a ton of potential as to where that can go. And you're right. I think at the end of the day, that's just going to improve the overall customer experience and, you know, respond as quickly as possible and hopefully even get ahead of some of it. So tying that together is, is just a great point, you know, that we should all be working together uh, towards that goal. Um, and I wanted to kind of end with a question for Daniel. Um, are there any trends or events that you see on the horizon that uh, businesses, you know, including SMB, should be aware of in regards to cyber attacks? Well, you know, as we continue to digitize our operations and our businesses, you know, the, the threats are going to become more rampant and more visible. And so making sure that at, organizations are savvy consumers of these technologies, right? That as we continue to digitize our businesses and continue to um, increase efficiency with technologies that we are considering all the security ramifications of those. You know, one, you know, one that's coming right down the line soon is uh, with the federal government, particularly Department of Defense contractors, um, the cybersecurity maturity model. And so making sure that organizations understand that if they're providing goods and services to the Department of Defense, that they're going to have to have an um, an audit of their information security. And so that's going to be coming. Um, right now, it's uh, a self-certify type of uh, process. And so, so businesses need to understand that. And, you know, they also need to understand that larger companies, if they want to do business with larger companies or the federal government, that organizations are becoming more critical of their supply chains, right. their value chains. And so... It is a, um, you know, it's a value proposition for an organization to be able to demonstrate that they have a strong cybersecurity posture, and that's just going to be increasingly so as we move move forward. Right. Yeah, that demand for transparency among partners and and vendors. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. It's just going to continue. So getting healthy practices in place today is is setting you up for long term success. Yeah. Um, it sounds like. And I want to thank you all. This has been uh, the time kind of just flew by. And uh, but I want to thank everyone for their time, uh, your expert insights, and and this is just an ongoing dialogue that I I look forward to uh, continuing in the future and having these uh, discussions ongoing with all of you. And want to thank everyone for listening to Freshly Slide. Thank you.